Hey, Mr. Lejoy, how are you doing today? Man, good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. It's great. I love personally talking to drivers and getting their perspective on the series itself and how they got to where they are and everything. So it's always a great time talking to drivers. So thank you again for being on. Yeah, no problem. So I guess the first question is, how did you get your start in racing and end up racing in the top series in the country? Uh, Well, my dad was a two-time Xfinity Series champion, so naturally I was, you know, I was born into it early and, uh, you know, I did the go-kart path and and late models and all all the way up, but uh, I was actually pretty good at baseball and I played baseball all through high school and when it was come time for the fork in the road to choose either one, I had to uh, pick which one I liked more and, you know, it was uh, racing without a doubt is what, what I wanted to do and Sometimes I wonder since when I look on ESPN and look at these multi-million dollar contracts these guys are signing, but uh, it's uh, it works out pretty good. Uh, and just got a got a couple lucky breaks and and drove for some decent teams and and you know just tried to try to keep my head down and and do a good job in the car and 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 try to raise money outside the car and it's it's uh, it's an ongoing process that's for sure. Right, and that seems to be the story for everybody. Is everybody is sort of in the same boat. If you're not at, you know, a team that's been doing this for 60 years, then, you know, it's not all peaches and cream. And that's, that's what really, I think makes the sport so great is that you've got guys like you that are going out there racing for the win every single week because you have to win versus, Oh, you know, it's no big deal. We'll just go out there next week. That's, you know, it's whatever. So it's, it's great to see the guys that are racing, the best they can and giving everything they have every single week versus guys that are, you know, they sort of inherited the seat because they've been going through these series for years and they've known, okay, when this person retires, it's going to be replaced by this person. And that's just the way it is. And we've got three people lined up behind that. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that though. I mean, no, there's no, not one person out there that's just riding around. I mean, it's the, uh, it is the, the, I mean, I wouldn't call us the 40 best drivers in the world, but they're the, they're, they can go to any, I mean, they're any, they're better than, than most anywhere you can go. You know, there's guys capable of driving cup cars, you know, Saturday night guys that are, that can jump in and, and learn how to do it, but there's nobody out there riding around. And, and unfortunately, you know the situations I'm in with the with the lower caliber teams. Like you never, the the cars are so much different that you never even get a chance to get up there and run good unless it's on a speedway, just because you're so far, so far behind with with engines and bodies and and all that stuff. I mean the rules try to keep it tight, but the big teams are always going to outmotor the small teams and and spend more money on engineering, and that's just how it is. Right, and I I didn't mean to discredit any any of the other guys. I mean they don't get in those positions for not being good. It's yeah. just, it's, you know, I, I guess I poorly phrased that point where I'm, you know, you have guys that can win every week and it's sort of, you know, oh, well, they happen to get a better pit stop or whatever. And it comes down to that versus the smaller teams where, like you said, it's just, they don't have the equipment. So I, I guess I poorly phrased that and that's all on me. So I, I apologize. <laughs> no, no worries. Well, I mean, it's yeah. There's there's nobody that's that's riding around and, and you know collecting a paycheck. I mean, there's some the guy. There's obviously guys that put forth more effort than some, but 
everybody within reasons is is trying to you know everybody's got the competitive nature inside of them so you try to get you try to get all you can out but on the, on the flip side uh, you know the the hendrick car you can get more out of it than you can a tri-star motorsports car right now unfortunately yeah and i mean there's i guess that's always sort of been the case where you have you 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 do get those those stories on occasion. Uh, I know another guest I've had on before, Derek Cope. He won the the five hundred purely because you know somebody's tire blew out. Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s tire blew out with you know two laps to go, and he sort of just wound up there. But it's sadly it's not as common as you would think that a small team goes out, gets that huge break, and and wins it. And I mean, I guess that's just the sport as well. You know, there's. There's teams that that have it, and there's teams that have you know the endless pockets, and then there's teams that are going out and that car that they have, that that is their speedway car as well as their super speedway car, and it's it's just a whole different playing field between the teams, and it seems like that's that's a common conversation between uh, you know the media and drivers. Where I I've talked to uh, a couple other drivers, and it, it's always the same where. Yeah, you know, that's just the way it is sometimes and that's that's sort of how it is. Yeah, I mean, it's uh it's certainly always going to have the the big teams to spend the money and have the, all the big sponsorships which, you know, that's just the nature of the beast and there's only there's only three or four races a year like the speedways where the gap between the the big teams and the small teams is a little bit it, is a little less large uh just because you have the the draft and the and the restricted plates and all that sort of stuff. So um, but yeah, there's, you know, when TriStar goes to Martinsville this weekend, you know, they're, they're not going to be one blown tire away from being able to win. You know, like they're, they're going to be several laps down just from being, you know, two tenths off the pace every lap, you know, just from having a heavy car that doesn't carry as much low weight. Uh, you know, the, the body isn't quite built with, with much downforce. And, you know, the motors don't have as much torque. So, and the setup's probably not as good. So when you compound, when you compound that two, two tenths a lap over, you know, a hundred laps, that's, that's a lot of time and right. you can't overcome that. And then you come down pit road and your, your, your pit stops aren't as good. And then just, just the nature of the beast where there's every, everything that's thought about everything that's, that's, that's directly contributes to performance on those bigger teams it's thought about over and over again and they have somebody in that department that's is trying to figure out how to make it make it better but that's what uh that's what makes it fun for the small teams because you try to try to get everything you can do in your your own power to, to show up and beat those guys right and it's you know the crazier things have happened than a small team winning so i always look forward to the super speedways every year because you will get guys that that don't typically run out front that get out there. Maybe they'll lead a couple laps because of the pit stop cycle, but nonetheless, they've, they've led a laugh and they've done well. And I mean, off the top of my head, another small team go fast racing just last year, Matt DiBenedetto at Bristol finished sixth. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's very, very rare. It's very difficult, but it makes it a whole lot more fun to watch those guys and sort of root for a smaller team where, Hey, you know, they finish in the top 15 and they beat out these other cars that were much better than them. And that's always great to see. 
But I mean, it's it's sadly just a part of the sport. So I guess what what do you do to sort of change gears here? What what's a good thing you like to do in the off time, the very little off time you have from racing? Uh, so I race. I've got a super late model uh, that I go. I actually went last weekend and raced it down at a big race in Alabama. Uh, so I'll race that about six or seven times a year. Uh, me and Cole Witt are splitting that 72 car um, on the cup side. So I have some off weekends to go have some fun with that thing. And So I'll do that. Uh, that takes up a lot of my time and extra money. Uh, <laughs> but uh, then I'll, I'm in the middle of building a, an I, a big iRacing simulator and stuff. So I'll, uh, that's my latest project. And then I'll go over to that shop and help him out with the seats and do a little bit of quality control and do some welding if he needs it. And, and then, you know, just try to try to stay in good shape, whether it's going working out, uh, you know, outside with some buddies or ride mountain bikes or go to the CrossFit gym, just always trying to mix it up and, and have fun with that. Right. And, um, you mentioned your dad's shop. I assume that's the joy of seating. Yep. I, I got to say, I love that name. That's <laughs> – it's clever. It's great. I like it. Yeah, um, yeah. It's pretty good. The uh, the iRacing setup as well. So how often uh, – once that's all set up and finished, how often do you expect yourself being able to get in there and train on a simulator like that? Well, uh, contrary to what my fiancé thinks, it's going to be going in the basement. <laughs> so I'll probably be on that quite a bit uh, <laughs> and, and tearing it up. But um, – it's uh, it's actually an old late model chassis that I had. We broke a hub at Rockingham and destroyed the thing, cut the front and rear clip off, and I uh, I'm making it into a into an Irish simulator with the seat and the you know the whole the whole the whole deal. So it's gonna be pretty cool looking. Oh wow! So this is a full chassis that you're doing, not just a, a seat with the haptics and everything. Yeah. You feel, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's gonna be. Boy, I'd love to see that. That's pretty cool. It'll be pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm about double the price of what I wanted to be in it. But hey, <laughs> once I started buying, once I started buying, you know, one thing nice, I can't skimp on anything else. So I had to keep digging. Right, and that's just you know that's how it always seems with. That's right. But so you've also um, done some other media appearances as as any driver does, but also another show. Sort of similar to this, and I actually based my show off of. You were on Glass Case of Emotion with Ryan Blaney and actually hosted it. So I, I, I'm i sure that other people would like to know as well, but what is that like being able to host a show with those guys and just a show like that where it's really all limits off and have a time like that? What's that like? Uh, it was pretty cool. There was I wish we had talked about some some more racing topics just because that's – you know that's what we all kind of know about, and it isn't. I think that we just, we didn't talk in depth on any topic. We just talked a little bit on a lot of topics. So I think that um, they, they've got a cool show, and I listen to it every now and then. But if if I were to be on a show, a podcast, or something, I'll be talking about you know penalties and and why they why the teams are wanting to do this sort of stuff, and and you know giving it from a from a driver's perspective. So. We're, I'm actually working on some stuff on my end to maybe do a do a podcast of some sort to uh, that that can cover those bases. But I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, you can stay tuned on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I love I've tried to get this into a podcast. It's 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 difficult with the RSS feed and it's you know, there's there's a whole lot of hoop, hoops to jump through, but it, it's worth it in the end, you know. It's it's a lot of fun to do. But you mentioned wanting to talk about penalties and stuff from a driver's perspective, so let's let's jump into that. So, I mean, when you think of 2018 so far, I think the first penalty that comes to everyone's mind is uh two races in or three races in, excuse me, two of which have been won by Kevin Harvick, and the rear window is caved in from a failed brace. And you've kind of got to split with fans' perspective of, well, this gave him more downforce down the backstretch, and, you know, it, it's easy to orchestrate something like this failing, so it was intentional. And they seem to get hit pretty hard by NASCAR with suspensions and fines and fines and everything else, and then they went out and won the next week, so... I guess my first question is, I know you can't speak on Kevin Harvick's behalf, but how how did you view that whole ordeal where they had this advantage and people were seeing the back window caved in and wondering what was going on? Uh, that was a huge advantage. Um, but <clears throat> contrary, they weren't the only car to do it, nor were they the, were they the biggest uh, deflection of the rear window. There was, there, I saw pictures of... Um, may or may not have been the Daytona 500 champion this year, his rear window looked twice as bad as the fours. So it's just the fact that Twitter blew it up and made it an actual thing that the four was the only one doing it is false. You know, there was other guys doing it. and But that that area of the car is super sensitive. And if you can get more air packed, packed on that little spoiler, the better it's going to be. So they certainly did it for a reason. And it also helps when your race team owns a – wind tunnel so you can go and try that sort of stuff any time of the day you want uh so if, if if it happens on a race car it's usually on purpose you know last year when chase elliott's decals come off on a spoiler and there was it had a wicker on it like they didn't they they did it on purpose everything they do that you see the bodies twisted up or you know side skirts flared out that's all it's not by accident by no means so uh it, it was it's a big it's a big gain. Uh, obviously, it's doing it in the corners as well. It's doing it all the way around the racetrack once it reaches a certain speed of pressure. So, uh, yeah, that's that was definitely an advantage. And then they go, you know, and they, they made it a big deal because, you know, they won at Phoenix. Well, Phoenix isn't quite the downforce track as, as Vegas or Atlanta was. Um, so, and Harvick pretty much owns so, you know, hmm. yeah, they, they, they would have won there. They'd have won there almost. They'd have won there regardless, but it was, it was, I was happy to see, you know, those guys rebound and, and stick it to them for sure. So you mentioned Austin Dillon earlier and, you know, I agree with what you were saying where it's, it would be an advantage to have that much downforce. I think any, any fan would agree, but you mentioned Austin Dillon and that really caught my interest. So as I was listening there, I, I was looking at some of the pictures of his win, and I mean, I guess I could see a slight disparity in the top left of the rear no, window. But you don't want that at Daytona. It, no, I was talking about Vegas when everybody's making a big deal about Harvest Glass at Vegas. Oh, okay. There was, three, there was three or four other guys with the glass, even worse. Huh. I guess I'll have to try and find that now because I was going to say, yeah, that you even... want you want the window you want the window up there to get the air off the blade. You want the you want the rear window down at those other places to get there on the blade. Okay. I was going to, yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't really look like it, but 
No, no, it didn't happen at Daytona. So, do you think that NASCAR's penalty was justified for them to hit them Uh, that hard? I mean, it's the rule. I mean, if the rule is the the rear window's got to remain rigid at all times, well, it wasn't. So, um, right. You know, I'm granted that wasn't the only that wasn't the reason why they won the race because they won it going away, and there was other guys doing it that obviously didn't win the race. So they also had the whole package going on. But if I mean, regardless, if it's a rule, they got to enforce it. So uh, I mean, I, I'm on NASCAR side with that. But I also thought it was cool as hell that that they were they got the rear window to do that. Yeah, it's it's really what these guys will think of is. Unbelievable, and I mean, it seems like there's days spent a week, there has to be, where just crew chiefs will sit down, look over the rules, and try and find some loophole, where, I remember at the All-Star Race, I believe it was last year, where they had uh, a different tire compound, the option tires, and they said, all right, the rule is, you have to put all four of these tires on at once, thinking that they would put all four tires on, race them for their cycle, and then just pull off and get them changed. And you had guys that put them on, and when the left sides were, you know, not performing up to par with what they thought they would, they pulled just those off and had a a mix. So I always find it interesting how they'll come up with something new this time um, with with the crew chiefs just coming up with something to sort of bend the rules but not break them per se. And sometimes they do obviously break the rules where you had Chase Elliott last year under under a bit of fire for – uh, the decals coming off and Kevin Harvick certainly coming under a lot of fire this year and rebounding back from it. But I, I guess another thing is that I've noticed is that NASCAR seems to be listening more uh, to when the fans are speaking up. Where, for example, just this last weekend, where 13 cars didn't qualify and they people were upset because now they're on brand new tires. And nobody else's brand new tires, and it's it it was seen as it seen as something that could be used for an unfair advantage. Where now they don't have to waste their tires and then race on them afterwards. So, I guess what's your thought on that with NASCAR going out and offering for these teams to be able to buy new tires because they perceived it as a possibility of them ever, you know, intentionally not qualifying. Uh, I mean, you hate to see them change the rule mid weekend, but uh, that that was the. The, the the problem is the penalty that the penalties that it's in place for missing qualifying uh, because you can't get through tech isn't isn't harsh enough. Uh, you know if if you had to lose your pit selection for the next five weeks if you didn't make it through qualifying inspection then you know that would that would make it a little more initiative to get through tech. So I think that huh. the yeah everybody's complaining at California because the guys that that didn't qualify you know had sticker tires well yeah that that's that's true but i think that and, and every place is a little bit different california is obviously a wore out racetrack where tires fall off you know half second to a full second from the first lap to the fifth lap um but i you know it's it's certainly their their sandbox they can change the rules throughout the weekend whenever they want to uh but I, I in that situation, I think it was it was a correct call, uh, but I also think they need to make the the penalties a little more steep when they when somebody doesn't make it through tech several times to get, before qualifying. Do you think there are any um, penalties that aren't or that are too strict? I'm sorry, that are you know over the top for what's seen as a minor infraction. 
Uh, sometimes too. Yeah. Like the lug nut deal. I think that's a little bit, I think that's a little bit uh, petty, but that's, that's way above my pay grade. So I don't, <laughs> I don't say anything about that. Huh? That's because the rule is now that you have to have all five on at the end of the race and you can't yeah. knowingly leave any off. And I believe that's what 10,000 or $5,000 penalty for each yeah, missing 10, lug 10 nut. grand for one lug nut. Like yeah, fifty grand for three or something. It's crazy, and 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 you and the crew chief gets suspended, which is ridiculous, right? Because I mean that it's it's yeah, just he, as likely he ain't, one, he ain't the one hitting the lug nuts. You know, I, I guess they view it as uh, back when I remember a couple of years ago they had a policy where you could put on as few lug nuts as you want uh, in order to save a bit of time on pit road, and that policy didn't stay around for long. But one of the arguments was, oh, it'll save people time. So I mean. I can kind of see where they're coming from where, oh, the crew chief might be wanting them to save time. I don't think – you know, you don't become a crew chief by being by being dumb. Those are – those guys are calculating everything and they're, they're very smart guys that are up there on top of the box. I don't think they would say, oh, you know, I'm just going to go get suspended for the next race in order to save two-tenths of a second on a pit stop and pay $50,000 because we're going to leave these lug nuts off, you know. So I, I, I see both sides but – it, it it doesn't make sense to suspend the crew chief because it's it's just as likely that a tire guy, you know, the gun that they gave him failed and he didn't realize it. Where that's been a big issue this year with just the pit guns don't work. <laughs> I don't think it's as big of a deal as they're making out to be. They actually overall that's a pretty good job. And you know, Gibbs, the big teams are the ones that were pushing for these these guns. Because they're spending a million and a half dollars a year on their on their pit gun development, and they get them, and they start bitching about them. Well, <laughs> you know, if every if everybody's got if there's guns on pit road, yeah, you're gonna have some you're gonna have some malfunctions. Like that's just how, it's just part of the game. So it, let's not make a bigger deal about when we've had two gun failures over the first four races. That's uh, I feel like it's for for the most part it's been pretty good, um, and. The, the people complaining about it were the ones that uh, that wanted it to get it in the first place. So I, I feel like that's uh, that's that's not an issue at all and doesn't need to be re- revisited because you got you, you had all these teams just wanting just looking for areas to spend money and then we they just you know they they obviously tightened it up where they they can't spend another million bucks a year on on pit gun R and D. So I, I think that was a good call. Oh gosh darn! You know they can't spend their <laughs> their infinite wealth. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's an interesting perspective because, I mean, I'm sure that NASCAR has a say in what the announcers will say on Fox and everything. Where they'll they'll kind of not. I don't think they dictate everything they say, but they'll like say, "Hey, talk about this. Talk about that." And with the pit guns, either build it up or don't say anything. So. And and various other issues like it. Not that, not that I'm accusing like you know Jeff Gordon and the guys up in the booth of being corrupt. But I just think that NASCAR has a say in what they'll talk about. So, I mean, I'm getting the perspective of someone that watches the races from home that knows a lot about cars and enjoys racing. So it's it's interesting to see all these disparities between what what's sort of talked about on TV, what they talk about on race up and all that, versus somebody who's in the car every week. And and knows everything that goes on in the sport because they participate in it. So it's 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 great to hear this different perspective of someone who's, you know, fighting, fighting with their team. Not 
that's bad phrasing, not fighting with their team, but fighting alongside their team every week against these much larger teams and opponents. So it's, it's great to see the real perspective versus what they air on television. Yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always a little bit embellished on TV, for sure. So, well, well, that's interesting phrasing, embellished. You mean like the issues are made bigger or they're sort of diverting yeah, attention I mean, to where they yeah, want? Small, small issues are talked about, you know, more large. And, and, you know, sometimes they have to make stories that necessarily aren't there, but just like anything else. It's, it's just, it's what keeps people there and, you know, NASCAR's a business, so that's... It makes sense. Yep. So I guess the next question would be is how uh, – what was, actually, what was the first car you ever drove? That's that's probably where we're going to go next. What was the first car you've ever drove? Race car? Just car in general. Uh, my first ever car was a Pontiac uh, Bonneville. My mom said – she gave it to me. So that was my first car was Pontiac Bonneville. I had a Nintendo 64 in the back. It was badass. <laughs> a Nintendo did, is there a TV mounted in there? Or? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh my gosh, that yeah, it was it was it was a, it was a ride. <laughs> you know that was that was a good way to get that was a good way to pick up chicks in high school. Off from the because <laughs> they all, all every girl thinks they're better than you at Mario Kart until you <laughs> actually start playing it. <laughs> I'm just imagining. Hey girl, you wanna? Come yeah, play, play Mario, Mario Kart. Kart. Yeah, it works. <laughs> you want to play Super Smash Bros? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that hey, I mean, whatever works. It, it there's always you know an interesting story behind people's first car. Whenever you ask them, I mean, I've had people on the show. They're like, oh yeah, at nine years old, I was driving like this old beat up junker, and like the muffler fell off, and we had to carry back. So. Wow, you know, every every person that's come on so far has had an interesting story about their first car, but Nintendo 64 in the back seat to pick up girls. That's a new one. I love that. <laughs> oh yeah, it worked. it worked. It worked good. Yes. Then I uh then I fell asleep driving and felt ran off the road and flipped it over. So that was the end of the Bonneville. Oh jeez. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> rest 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 in rest in peace, Bonneville. Rest in peace is more like. <laughs> yeah. So, oh man, that that really darkened the mood. <laughs> <laughs> so, I uh, we kind of talked about this uh, yesterday when we were texting, but I've heard you have really good jokes, and you co- you sort of said no, not not so many jokes, but I have a good time is what you is what you said. So. What, was I lied to about the good jokes part? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not gonna like pull out like a you know Jewish joke or you know like I don't <laughs> I don't have those on deck like my grandpa does, but like <laughs> you know like I've got you know I've got a couple, but I, like I don't have like a go to joke by no means. I just I usually I usually just cut it up in the interview or something. I don't I don't whip out too many <laughs> knock knock jokes or nothing. Uh, I've usually. I heard this one in high school and it sort of stuck with me. Did you hear about the fire at the circus? No. I wasn't there personally, but I heard it was intense. (laughs) Oh, man. That's usually the reaction. It's either like an eye roll, a sigh, or or shut shut the hell up, Jeff. You know, it's one of those three. (laughs) Well, it's it's not bad. It it sort of catches people off guard, but... (laughs) Well, 
I don't want to. I don't want to take up too much of your morning. So I guess the uh, the last question I've got to ask is, uh, what are your predictions for the 2018 season? I ask every everyone that comes on this question. And I've had everything from Ray Evernham saying every Hendrick car is going to win this year and Johnson's going to be the champion to it's going to be Martin Truex. So what? how do you see the 2018 well, season going down? Ray Evernham works there, so he's got to say that, but right. it looks like that's going to come to fruition. Um, yeah, Hendrix is running like crap. I think I, I think that I think Hendrix needs to work, and I'm sure they are, and trying to get their stuff better because when the seven-time champ can't run better than about eighth or ninth, then they got a problem. Um, and the Ford Motors right now have a leg up on everybody. Those things are solid. So, you know, whenever. Harvick doesn't wreck out on lap 35, be looking for him every week. He'll be a factor. And then, you know, the 78 looks strong again. So they, uh, whatever they, whatever they do to those Gibbs cars, whenever they get them out in Denver, uh, must be pretty sporty. So, yeah, there's, there's something about those cars. That's just unbelievable. Yep. So, so I mean, there's a, uh, I'm not sure if they're quite in the rules, but they hadn't got caught yet. So keep on trucking. Yeah. So I, uh, I don't think, Truex is going to go two in a row. I think that uh, I think it'll be it'll be Kyle Busch the seventy eight. If Larson can get to Homestead in the final four, that might be your champion. So really, that might that's... be a dark horse for you. Yep. If he if he if Larson ever gets to the not if when he gets to the championship four at Homestead, he's he's going to be he's going to be carrying a trophy mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and I mean Homestead. It's not not the same as tracks like Michigan, but it it reminds me a lot of Michigan, where it's big sweeping turns and long straightaways. So, and that's where he dominates. I I think that's yeah, and he gets around there good. So, what do you think the uh, the issue with with Hendrick cars are? Because you know, there's nobody denying that they're not certainly on top of their game like they they have been in years past. It seems since. Jeff Gordon retired. It's sort of been not not that that's the reason, but it's just been sort of mm, okay season, and then it's sort of now this year where nobody's really running well. And I mean, it seems like the biggest highlights were Chase Elliott and William Byron leading laps. Um, I don't know. You know, I can't speak on their behalf because I don't I don't know what what they all got going on, but I think that. Some of it's a new Camaro body where it has more more front down force as opposed to rear. So trying to get that aero balance back right is is important because if you got too much front, then the car's gonna be real loose and the front's gonna be too positive. So uh, when they changed that Camaro nose, uh, it, it added about you know fifteen percent more nose to the thing. So they got they're trying to get that balanced out from what I understand and. Uh, you know, trying to trying to change some under underbody stuff to get some more rear down built into it. Once I do that, I think they'll be in good shape. Well, here's hoping. I mean, I'm I I love rooting for a couple guys, but I've I've always rooted for Hendrick. You know, I I've been pulling for you ever since you were on Glass Case of Emotion. I I heard that, and I I'll admit, you know, like you said, they didn't they don't go too far into racing, but but it's I enjoy listening to the show, and you know, just the comments they make like, Oh, you know, if you're racing half in Canada and half in America, how are they going to pronounce your name? And 
So what what is the technically correct pronunciation of LaJoy? Because I imagine that's the Americanized version of it, but... <laughs> yeah, the French version is LaJoy. LaJoy. Okay. So if you have a race like over in the uh, NASCAR Euro Series, just over there, you're Coy LaJoy? Might be. I might have to adopt. I might have to change my first name like Jean-Claude LaJoy or something. <laughs> Courgeois le joie. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, like I said, I'm not going to take up too much of your morning with bad jokes and puns. So thank you again so much for being on. And you're you're always more than welcome to come back. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Have a good one. Good luck this weekend. Yep. Bye. Bye.